Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michael. Okay, hello everybody, my name's Michael, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. It's good to be here, and it's good to be abstinent, and in a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, and I thank God for my abstinence. And you're going to hear me talk a lot about God tonight because, you know, God is the solution to my, uh, to my problem. Lack of power is my dilemma. So um, I want to thank my, my beautiful fiance Martha, for asking me to speak tonight. I was number 11 on the list and she didn't get the other 10 to come. So that's what you get when you live with a compulsive overeater. You get dragged into speaking at meetings. But it, it, it's, it's good to be here and it's, it's good to be in this meeting because this is where it all started for me in this meeting. And I came in in January of 2008, um, a pretty broken person, 300 and odd pounds and um, you know bulimic I've also been anorexic and I'm a recovering alcoholic as well so uh, and now I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon so I've got the three uh, got three that's some recovery saying I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon because uh, it's been a been a rough six months in Al-Anon but it's uh, it's working for me and um, fact, somebody asked me the other day about my Al-Anon program and, and uh, I, I said uh, it feels like taking chemo you know, it really does. It just does. You know, I went there, and of course, my alcoholic ego went into Al-Anon saying, uh, they're not going to tell me anything. You know, I've got seven, nearly seven years sobriety, 100 pounds weight loss, I don't throw up anymore, sponsor people, what can they tell me? But I was in a bad way. You know, there was another part of my recovery that needed to come to fruition. You know, I was really struggling with, with relationships, and I'm living with a, a recovering alcoholic, and that is not easy, trust me. And, uh, but things are getting a little bit easier with Al-Anon in OA. But I, I want to welcome our new friends to Overeaters Anonymous. There's a lot of men in this room, which is really great to see. Um, because having an eating disorder as a man is, uh, and especially bulimic, it's uh, it's not a not a, a very easy thing to to let people know and, and open up about. And uh, unfortunately, I, I haven't sponsored many men in Overeaters Anonymous. I've sponsored a lot of women um, and gay men, but I haven't sponsored many straight men. I think the only uh, straight guy I've sponsored uh, was David, right? And uh, and he, he's still talking to me. He came and sat next to me today, so it couldn't have been all bad, right, David? But you know. I, if, you, if you're here today for the first time and, and you're in a lot of pain, um, I understand. And uh, when I first came into OA, I'd hear people talking about living the life beyond the wildest dreams. And it used to really annoy me. <laughs> and, uh, but now I realize that going from being in the depths of despair and an eating disorder to living a normal life like everybody else does really is like living your life beyond your wildest dreams. Because having an eating disorder is just, to me, the worst thing. And I actually think it's worse than being an alcoholic. I really do, because I am surrounded by food 360 degrees. And I'm constantly, people are, con- and, you know, this culture that we live in here in Los Angeles, it's a hard one. 
being a being a, a compulsive overeater or bulimic living in Los Angeles is because the way you look is so important. Let's be honest. In, in the culture in Los Angeles, yeah, everybody celebrates everything with food. It, you know, every time you look around, somebody's offering me food. That's how it it it, it seems to me. And um, you know, I came from such a bad place. Um, January 2008. I came, you know, from such a bad place and. When you wake up in the morning and you can't look at yourself in the mirror because you're so overweight and so obese, uh, when you get out of the shower you just can't even look in the mirror, when you're constantly, constantly thinking about food, when you're constantly using food just to feel better about and getting through the day, and when you're scooping vomit out your car seat and your, your car covers are crusted in vomit and your car constantly smells of vomit you know that's a, that's a living hell and when you go to a drive through or when I go to, when used to go to a drive through and I'd stuff my face 3 o'clock in the morning in a drive through and I would vow I'd like clench my I'm never going to do this again and within an hour I'd be back at the next drive through and that is absolute insanity absolute insanity and I couldn't stop it I just could not stop it I knew my life was absolutely out of control I knew that I was you know the only place that this was going to end was death you know and when I talk to my friends in AA and they'll say to me yeah but you can't you don't run anybody over when you you know you're overweight and you can't and you get well I can tell you something now I very nearly did that when I dropped my candy bar <laughs> and it's funny and I'm leaning down to pick it up because I need that candy bar and the next minute I'm seeing somebody in the way that actually happened to me and it's funny but it's insane you know and all the, and the candy wrappers and the fast food wrappers and how ashamed I would be trying to get rid of these out of my house and, and then in the, on a Sunday morning waking up and going where's all the food where's the pizza my, my fridge is empty and going downstairs to look in the trash for food that I'd thrown out the night before vowing that I would never do it again so that's where this disease took me but there is so much more to this disease than just that there's also the fact that you know I really took myself out of the game of life you know I took myself out of the game of life you know I didn't have the job or the career that I wanted to have because when you're 330 pounds and you go for an interview especially in corporate America I can tell you there's prejudice already when you, uh, you can't get into the seat of an aircraft and you can't buckle it up without somebody giving you an extension, you know, these kind of things, where you can't get a girlfriend, you can't even get a date because of the way you look, where you can't even go home to the, back to the UK to go to a family wedding because you don't want anybody to see how you look because they haven't seen you for two or three years since you put on that 75 pounds where you can't go on Facebook and put any pictures of yourself up because you're ashamed about the way you look you don't want anybody to see you and so it's a vicious circle you know I'd rather stay in on a Friday night because I'm so ashamed of the way I look and I'll just stay in and close the curtains and I'll just stuff my face television and food that was my weekend and it took me out of the game of life I wasn't enjoying anything about my life here I remember you know on a Saturday morning I'd get up and I'd, uh, I lived in Pasadena at the time and um, I would drive over to Malibu and I would sit and watch people running up and down the beach just so envious that I couldn't do that 
and I'd be in such pain and such loneliness that I'd just go across the road to the McDonald's and just sit in the McDonald's because food just, it just calmed me down. It made me feel better. It took away that, you know, that churning anxiety, that, in, that thought of impending doom. And it made the world a little bit more of an easier place to live in, which I've never found very easy to live in. I've never really found my place in this world until I came into the rooms of OA and Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, today my, my life is a lot different, but I'd be lying to tell you that my life is absolutely perfect, that, you know, I live this life beyond my wildest dreams. Some parts of it are, but my sponsor, and I've got, my sponsor's got 37 years of abstinence, Ken, and uh, I call him every day, sometimes I call him twice a day, and he's always got me reading the big book every day, and he's a really good man. He's a good man. And I chose him because of the length of abstinence he's got, but I also chose him because of the way he lives his life. And that's the key to getting abstinent the way you live your life today and the way I live my life and he says to me you know Michael you know your life in recovery is a bit like sailing across the Pacific in, your, in a yacht in a small yacht and I thought oh my god where's this going you know? and he said to me some days the sea will be nice and calm and you're on the deck and the sun's beating down and everything's good and you can see for miles and everything's good and dolphins are swimming beside the yacht and you're feeling good and you're in charge of that yacht and you're going straight through in the head but the next day some storm clouds come along and there can be some days where you're in a big storm and some days where you're frightened to death that, you're gonna t- that that yacht's going to turn over and you're in a huge storm in the middle of the Pacific and you're on your own but he said you're never on your own he said that's the way life is that's the way life it's got its ups and downs its ebbs and flows its good points its bad points but you see when we've got the program of the 12 steps when we've got Overeaters Anonymous, when you've got a sponsor and you've got your fellows, you can just keep going through that storm. You can just keep going through to where you're supposed to be. And you don't need to worry about anything. Because God's got the controls of the yacht. God is navigating you through those stormy waters. And it really resonated with me when he told me that. It really resonated with me. And so today, I try and live a good life. And I fall short. Because it tells me in the big book, you know, I'm not a saint. Progress, not perfection. Thank God he put that in the big book. But I do, I try and live a good life today. I try and be of service. I try and help people. And I try and sponsor people to the best of my ability in in this program and in AA. And my life has got incredible over the last few years. It really has. It's got really good. And no longer am I, um, you know, constantly thinking about food. No longer... Am I constantly worried about the future? No longer am I constantly in regret about the past. You know, today I can live in the day that I'm in, as long as I'm working these steps. And I really have to use the steps and the tools of Overeaters Anonymous to treat this disease, because this disease is going to stay with me till my dying day. I will have an eating disorder till I take my last breath. It is part of me. It's not, it doesn't define me, it doesn't make, make me who I am, but it's a part of me. And it's never going to go away and I have to treat it. And the nature of this disease is it could come back. And it will come back with a vengeance if I don't treat my mind and treat my, my spiritual condition. So I do want to talk a lot about you know, how I treat my disease. I think it's important for the newcomer and people who are new in, in Overeaters Anonymous exactly how you know, I treat my disease. I really work, I've worked all 12 steps out of the big book, straight out, out of the big book. And 
I've made all the amends and, and done all of those things that, uh, that it tells me to do in the big book, but I really live in steps 10, 11, and 12. And one of the problems I have day to day is dealing with disappointments and dealing with people. That's a big problem for me, dealing with people, because people don't do what I want them to do. <laughs> things don't go the way I want them to go. Because my mind is, as an alcoholic, as a compulsive overeater, as a bulimic, my mind is unsatisfiable all the time. You know, I constantly want something, and when I get it, it's not good enough, and I want something else, it's not good enough, and it moves around all the time. It's like a shooting gallery. And no matter, no matter, got it, no matter what I achieve, it's not good enough. And I'll give you an example. This week was a big week for me. You know, I work in a work for a Fortune 100 company, and things have gone really well in 2014. I've worked really hard, been very focused on what I'm doing, and I won this big award in front of all the company down at LA Live. It was fantastic. Well, so it should have been. <laughs> but my mind, my mind was not in a fit spiritual place because I've got out of bed too late, and I've run down quick prayer. You know, quick serenity prayer, quick seven-step prayer. I wasn't really thinking about God. Straight into breakfast, you know, okay, should I have that? No, I can't have this. You know, I wasn't praying. I wasn't thinking about anybody. I was just thinking about, I've got to get in that room. got to get near the front because I'm getting the award today. The king is being recognized. <laughs> All that hard work. I deserve that, that accolade. I can't wait straight to the front. said to my friend, make sure you got your camera. I want to get a picture here. got to get it on Facebook. Okay, got to let Martha know. Everything's going to work outright and you know I went up and took that award and there was just something missing it just didn't feel right and you know while I was sitting taking it I thought you know they're going to go out for a big meal tonight you know how do I dodge all that food tonight you know and when I come out of the main conference room they've got all that all those peanuts and candies and muffins you know all those things that I just can't how do I get around that and I started getting into a bit of fear I was thinking about food I was thinking about how I avoid it I was getting into this place of fear I wasn't, in, I wasn't present I forgot to thank my boss I forgot to thank people who'd helped me you know I was just in my mind I was constantly in my mind and I wasn't I just wasn't I'd, wanted, I'd worked so hard all year for this and it was just something I'd reached and I wasn't eating. there was something else now and then I started thinking about 2015 it's going to be hard now I've got 2014 now I've got to do this all over again God these people put so much pressure on me it's not fair I wonder what my quota is going to be like they're going to give me extra people to this number am I going to make any money this year total self-centeredness and that is the mind of a compulsive overeater that is my mind totally unsatisfied totally selfish constantly thinking about myself and food and how what's going to happen, what's going to go wrong glass is half empty glass is half empty and I've got to treat that mind and I immediately thank you, thanks to this program I immediately know that I've got to get to a place and I've got to get to a place to surrender and I've got to ask God and I left the room and I went in the back room and I shut the cubicle and I got on one knee God, can you help me now? Can you be with me? And I, and I carry my big book with me everywhere. Wherever I go, my big book comes. And I just open up on a page, and I just open it up. And it actually opened up on the bedevilments on page 52. <laughs> All right? And that was a good place for it to open up at. 
And I always carry my St. Francis prayer because this is the power that I've brought into my life. It's changed my life beyond my wildest dreams. And I just read the St. Francis prayer and I just felt better. And I forgot about the food. And I went in there and I remembered to thank a lot of people. I remembered to thank people, to give back. And that's the only way I can treat my disease, is to think of other people. And so I'm in a position, I'm in a, in a job, in a, I'm in an environment, working environment that is so far removed from the 12-step program where everybody is fighting and scrambling and trying to get above and get on and make money. You know, I work in entertainment sales in Los Angeles. It couldn't be more far removed from the, from the safety and the love of the room of Overeaters Anonymous. <laughs> but that's where I live, you know. I don't just live in this room. I come here to live out there. And this program has changed my perception of out there. And it helps me live out there as long as I bring and use the tools and I bring this power and I use the prayer and I help people then it helps me live out there and something else happened to me and it's job related as well and I want to share this because I know we're running out of time to help maybe to help somebody in the room because my food and the way I eat and what I eat is always directly linked to the way I feel and the way I feel is always directly linked to people around me places, things, and the world that I live in. It's very easy, okay? So, if I'm disturbed and I'm not in a fit spiritual place and I'm letting people bother me and I'm not getting what I want and the king's unsatisfied, it always shows up in the food. There's always a problem. There's always something that I want that I can't have and maybe just a little bit and maybe I should have this and can I get away with that and maybe it'll make me feel better and I can't do it because the food doesn't work for me anymore. It's not the answer. The answer is the steps and the tools and this program of recovery. So, you know, I'd worked hard all year and, you know, I thought I was going to get this big promotion. And it was December time. And my boss pulled me to one side and he said, you know, I've got to tell you something. You're not getting promoted. I said, what? What do you mean? He said, I forgot to put the paperwork in. <laughs> Can you imagine the resentment that I'm going to How did you forget to put the paperwork in? I'm not saying this to him. I'm thinking it. I'm like, what? How, how did you do, you know, and I went away, okay, let, you know, let's talk about it later. He said to me, we've got to get back in this meeting. And I sat in this all-day meeting, and I can't remember anything anybody said. <laughs> I just remember that I didn't get what I should have got. And I was in such fear and anxiety over it. And this resentment, and I'm saying the, the resentment prayer at the big book, and I said it for like five days in a row, and boy, this resentment just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, <laughs> and the food was calling me, and I was just in a lot of pain. And I was going to meetings, and people were giving me advice, and, and it was a Thursday night, and he told me on the Monday, and I, and I thought, I've got to get to a meeting, and I went to the big AA meeting down here on a Thursday night. And I walked in, there was like two, three hundred alcoholics here, and I sat in the middle of them, and I just hated everybody. <laughs> and I hated the person next to me who shook my hand and smiled and asked me what a good day I'd had. I hated the speaker, I hated the greeter, I hated the literature person. I just hated everybody, and it was not working for me. And God, how can you do this? Look at all the things I've done in the last six years, God. Why have you let me down? What do I need to do? And I was just so upset. And the food was calling me. 
and I walked, I got up at the end of this, I couldn't even remember, oh, I, the speaker went up, my name's Joe, I'm now call it, and then I, all I heard was that, and everybody getting up to leave. That's all I heard, and I was meeting. And I'm walking out the door, and there's a guy there that I know, and he says, what's wrong, where, where have you been, what's wrong, you don't look too happy, and I just thought, oh, I don't want to talk to him, and I just, I've got to go. He said, no, 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 what's wrong? And I went over to him, and I told him, what had happened and this woman who I've never met before walked past and she overheard me telling him and she she started the, these two alcoholics spent 20 minutes with me at the end of this meeting talking to me this is the power of this program and she said to me I want you to go home and write a letter to your boss and tell him exactly how you feel tell him how tell him how wrong he's been tell him how hard you've worked get it all down and then I want you to write a letter to, to, uh, to God and tell God how you feel and what you need and what you hope for. And then write a letter as if God's writing back to you. And I'm listening to this and I'm feeling slightly better and I'm thinking, what a lot of guff that is. <laughs> you know, I, I was feeling good up until you told me to start writing. So I went home and I didn't do it that night and the resentment kept going and I woke up in the morning and I was just feeling terrible. I thought, I better do this. So I wrote this letter to my boss. And but I, I'd been doing a lot of step tens all week and they weren't working. And I wrote this letter to my boss. Boy, toxic. Wow. <laughs> Hatred. Venom. I couldn't believe this is in my mind. I couldn't believe I didn't eat over it. And it was just, how dare you? Do you know all the Sundays I've given up and all the work I've done and you know, this and that, the money I've given, you know, da da da. And then I wrote a letter to God, and it was God, you know, I got, what do I need to do? First line, what do I need to do here? I'm in a lot of pain. Can you help me? You know, I'm really upset that this happened. And it was like a little boy writing a letter to God. And then I left it a few hours, and I was still in a lot of discomfort. And I wrote this letter from God back to me. And the first line of it was, Michael, I've got your back. <laughs> don't take it out on anybody especially Martha <laughs> alright and I started, I started getting a bit teary eyed because I thought I've been taken out of her probably probably yeah ok <laughs> thanks for that and uh, the rest of the letter was like everything's going to work out for you you've got to go and help some people you've got to help these sponsors because they're in trouble and the resentment left me and it has never come back and the reason why I tell you the story I'm going to wrap up right now is that I've been taught in these rooms to use tools and to find a God of my understanding that will help me live out there because I've never been able to live out there and today by the grace of God I'm abstinent I'm sober I'm following a program of Al-Anon I'm going to get married I don't know when <laughs> keeps asking me and uh, I'm very grateful I'm very grateful for what I've got today and I'm very grateful for all you people being here and I'll leave it on this new people keep coming back because the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous get very full in January and then in February, March they go back to their regular attendance so don't leave because amazing things are going to happen to you as they've happened to me so I look forward to seeing you as we trudge the road a happy destiny thanks for letting me share